Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Saint of Wrestling podcast. My name is Santos Esquivel. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the passing of Harley Race. For those unfamiliar with his work, uh, he had the nickname King Harley Race because he was the original King of the Ring. He's an eight-time NWA champ. He also helped build it up alongside Ric Flair and other legends like the late Dusty Rhodes. He inspired and trained some of the biggest names in pro wrestling and a great wrestler himself, but more importantly, by all accounts, a good man. He will be missed. Onward and forward with the show. Uh, This week's guest is none other than Rob Van Dam. This is the man who actually got me into into ECW. And uh, just to see him fly through the air was truly awesome at that time. You have to take into consideration that his style is one that is the standard in contemporary pro wrestling. At the time, you had never I had never seen anything like it. The way he sold every hit, the way he sold his moves, even when he landed his uh, his five star frog splash or five star splash, for example. When he sold it, he actually you know kind of like it hurt him, you know, which was truly cool to see. You know, to see someone acknowledge the pain that you yourself go to trying to defeat your opponent. That was awesome. Uh, if you were to tell me that last year, uh, when I signed up with Two Sweet Mag, that I would get this opportunity, I would have called you out on your PS. So thank you, Faison, for this opportunity. It just so happened to land a few days before my birthday, so it was an awesome birthday gift, even though I'm pretty sure it was a coincidence. Uh, thank you, Faison, for all the hard work you put in for uh, into getting these interviews and uh, and chats. So thank you, sir. Uh, as I was watching some of the videos when I got the news that I'd be interviewing RVD, I came across a trailer for his documentary, RVD Headstrong. I must be in the wrong circles of wrestling fans, which are few and far in between nowadays. I just, I live in South Texas and, um, you know, there's great promotions that I'm just now starting to get into, uh, here in South Texas. But, anywho, when I came across this documentary... The, the trailer for the documentary, man, I was I was blown away. I had no idea that RVD was doing stand-up. And more importantly, that this was, this was being filmed. And like any documentary, it had this overarching story that morphed it into something completely different. About something completely different. I, I can't recommend this documentary enough. If you're a pro wrestling fan, you'll get a kick out of it, out of seeing RVD doing stand-up, um, you know, and just getting to know him a little bit better. If you're a fan of documentaries, it it has everything you need. It's it's not only entertaining, but it's educational. Uh, so, without further ado, we, we touch on many topics, uh, Headstrong being one of them. Here is the whole effing show himself, RVD.
This is Santos Esquivel with Shooting Store Press. I have to say, it's a, it's a, really is an honor to be able to chat with you today. Uh, how's life been treating you? Fucking uh, awesome. Awesome, dude. Everything's really good. Excellent. Great to hear, man. Uh, but what do you got going on tonight? Uh, tonight, dude, I live in Las Vegas, and like, there's so much to do here all the time, 24 hours a day, and I'm really just getting saddled in because I moved this year uh, after like 20 years in California, so like, I'm still, since I travel a lot, you know, I'm still getting settled in in the house, uh, Katie Forbes and I, were loving it, so tonight, we got a few different plans, uh, and uh, we'll see, we'll, we'll see, I got a meeting uh, with a writer, with some uh, book projects and uh, yes, sir. And then a uh, little, uh, some uh, social plans afterwards with somebody else to see what happens. Um, I love, I'm loving home life so much that I'm wanting to travel less and less all the time. I can absolutely understand that. Well, with your uh, storied career, you've been everywhere from here to Europe to Asia to and you've been everywhere so I completely understand the wanting to reduce your schedule so you can spend some uh, quality time with, uh, with with your girlfriend and, and your family obviously so who is your family at this point um, I, well, yeah I'm sorry I thought that was a question I got you yeah my girlfriend is my family my girlfriend and my dog is my immediate family big uh, very very happy stress-free environment I wish I wish it for everybody so I'm always Happy to share my insight because I do believe life is what you make of it. Absolutely, I completely agree. I mean, I just uh, we I just finished your uh, your documentary, and man, it was uh, it, it it was awesome to see like the the road life that you you, you took when you uh, when you started your stand up comedy, and uh, it, it uh, halfway through it kind of turns into this like uh, like like it, I was on a roller coaster, you know, just. Like, whoa, what's going to happen? What's going on? You know, it uh, it was truly remarkable. I, I uh, you know, hats off to the filmmaker and yourself for uh, putting all this together. It was it was it was an awesome documentary, like great documentaries. It, it starts off with one thing and then it kind of bleeds into something else and it turns into this complete story of, of the life you lead. Yeah. And, you know, because of that, it made the project uh, much, much bigger. And, uh, you know, I went from just documenting a seven day road trip to, uh, talking about, um, you know, concussions and, and the long-term effects. And then I had to incorporate, like, you know, had to, had to encompass like my whole life. You had to, uh, so I had to throw that in there with the, with the backstory and you get caught up on where I am at that point of life, you know, what's been going on with RVD since, since we saw him last, you know, and, um, uh, so I'm, I'm really proud of the way it turned out, but I had no idea until I started getting feedback from people that this movie was actually going to help people uh, in, in, in mental health ways. And like people, uh, people can relate to me. I think every documentary, uh, if it's about a person, you really got to get to know that person a lot and feel like you know them through the documentary. And uh, hopefully I caught that because it's, you know, as genuine as it could possibly be. And like you said, I, I'm taking the uh, the viewers along uh, on the ride with me. I'm learning um, at the same time that the viewer is like, fuck, you know, what is going on with my head? And, and, and you know, pretty serious uh possibilities too you know and you see how you see how i take the seriousness of life and how i how i react to it and so a lot of people tell me like that it's really helped them a lot uh just to see how they can relate to me going through life struggles and uh you know it's like it's really given me like a different look on life like now lately i i'm just like dude if i can just share my personal experiences and actually really help people like that's easy you don't even have to make it up or write it it's just it's just being honest with uh, with what i've been through so i'm always all about that and now more than ever i want to keep the, the conversation going about concussions because uh we need some answers because my friends keep killing themselves uh, as a result of it i certainly don't want to go that way and i don't want to yes sir so, no, absolutely, yeah. and, and you know when the when the documentary starts out, I want to call it a movie because it's it, it's so um, it's very much like a uh, it's a great story and it's uh, it it takes you up and down and around and around. Uh, but when it, when the documentary starts, 
you uh, it's it was great to see that you had you you had stand up because it, it was something that I never really associated with you. I mean, I'm a long time fan. Everybody at Shooting Star Press is. We were all kind of fighting to see who who would get the opportunity to, to chat with you. But once once I saw that, I was like, man, that makes so much sense. Like that you uh, you come off as such a, a, a lovable guy, you know, and and the stories and jokes you make are very much. Uh, with in person with, with who you are as a person you know who we've come to know as Rob Van Dam so um, it was it was great to see but aside from stand up comedy do you do you have another venture that you might want to dip your toe in or i mean i know you've done some acting as well and um, was there anything that the, another venture that you might want to uh, kind of kick off or like i said dip your toe in uh, you know i'm I, i'm an opportunist um, i'm not really trying to do anything with my life so that's one thing that i think it's hard for people to understand you know they're like hey i know you're trying to do something with stand-up comedy how's that work and it's like well by if you mean by trying to do it trying to uh fit it into my priority list to actually go out and do it because i mean i have i just have offers all the time and, and i i don't think i've uh with the exception of one phone call that i made to wwe in what 2000 12 uh with the exception of that one phone call um i i I haven't looked for work in god i don't know how long since like um i don't even know 96 over 20 years it's just i have like like every day like i go through my email and i just have all these offers this guy wants me to go to kuwait this guy wants me to go to south africa then there's a couple of domestics you know and it's all it's all just it's all just business. But before we move on, just uh, in case anybody is listening and, and doesn't know the movie we're talking about, is called Headstrong. I'm sorry. Doc- Thank you for pointing that out. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Please watch Headstrong. It's on iTunes, Google Play, Vudu, Amazon, Fight TV, and uh, and like you know, like I said, I'm really proud of it. It covers a lot. As far as like uh, future ventures, I mean, uh, you know, I I, I always. I always have my toe dipped in a lot of different waters, but uh, I, I usually, usually, my problem has been that I get that I get spread out too much. So I'm trying to do less and less. It takes uh, more incentive to interest me, uh, you know, with each time. But I've always, I've got a ton of writing projects, and yeah, like you said, acting. Uh, there's always, I've always got, you know, so I, I'm shooting this uh this short in uh in october i've got a couple things i've done that haven't even come out yet one of them is a christmas movie um that i filmed like a couple years ago and i think i don't think that's come out and not that it's acting but you see rvd coming out soon on action bronson um (laughs) another yeah uh, a second time this time with uh cypress hill because uh that makes so much sense (laughs) yeah yeah those are my boys too you know so so that was cool and i also did a toy uh something on netflix uh toys that toys that made us i think it's called Uh, i don't think that has come out yet either you know so you're gonna see me uh for a while with stuff that that i'd already done in in addition to stuff that is coming out uh, and you know stuff that i'll continue to be doing but like i said i uh, really like every day that i'm every day that i'm not in vegas and then i'm out on the road i'm like damn i'm missing a pool party somewhere i better be making some money <laughs> that's a great way to view uh very very zen like i really like the way that uh like you said you you kind of go with the flow um and uh a lot of people would attribute that to uh your cannabis use and uh, your laid-back attitude um, but I feel like it's it's really just a part of who you are, and uh, and I know the cannabis use gets talked uh, put into rolled in, rolled up into that. Uh, but do you think it, it plays a part in um, you know the like in 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 the sense he like the the healing properties of it or something uh, with uh, your concussions and and how you're able to rebound you know uh, uh, with your concussions and in your healing process. I have very, very little doubt that it has been cannabis that has helped uh, protect my brain over the years. Um, there's there's one, one concussion that I get right before I film Headstrong, like three days before we start filming. And that one, the symptoms lasted, you know, several days. And I kept thinking, okay, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. It'll be gone. So I'm not even going to mention it in this movie. We're going to do the comedy tour, film the movie as planned. Every day I'd wake up with double vision and I'd say, I'll be damned. I've never, besides that one, which was lame, it was a lame bump. You know, my head barely hits the mat. 
not a major impact. Uh, but over the years, I've had hundreds of concussions, and, and the symptoms never last uh, more than very rarely more than a few minutes. Uh, a few seconds, ninety-eight percent of them are a few seconds. I shake it off. I got double vision. I got everything's in slow motion, or the sounds out. There's all kinds of weird, different symptoms that happen. Usually, I shake it off once in a great while, and I can count this on my hand. One hand, it's lasted, um, you know, to the end of the night, um, later in the, into the into the evening after the match. But usually, it's nothing. And whenever whenever I talk to my peers. They always say they about this. They always say, oh, yeah, I know I've got brain damage. And, and everyone has their own version. One of my friends says they see little sparkles of light. Oh, one of my friends says they trail up. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I mean, almost every one of them, my wrestling friends, like, that, that are from my generation, like, they're like, oh, yeah. And I've always said, wow, I wonder why I don't have any long-term damage. And, and you know, eventually I learned, you know, that THC was uh, effective in fighting the effects of Alzheimer's, which is very similar to CTE. They're both like a plaque that grows on your information system in your brain. And so, so as I was learning about that, I, I asked um, Chris, Dr. Chris Nowinski, the, the brain specialist, I said, this was years ago, yeah, I said, do you think... Do you think maybe the THC, you know, could be protecting the brain from, um, and you know, and at the time that was the only compound we knew. Now we got CBD, CBN. We're now we got about now we're studying about four different uh, cannabinoids out of like 110 that the plant have. At the time, yeah, at the time, all we knew about was THC. You know, at yeah. the time. But it's all an entourage, you know, that you take together when when you're not isolating it. Anyway, he said I'm probably onto something. That yeah, that could be a factor. But in order to do a study, he said we'd need you know hundreds of thousands of dollars and all this. Uh, so my study's only been through life, and now my perspective now is uh, you know 20 years ago, people were telling me that marijuana was killing my brain cells, and now. Uh, and in the future, um, they're learning that uh, marijuana protected my brain cells. Wow! Yeah, that is. Amazing. I didn't, you know, I've I've never I've never been feeling. I never felt like I had to go with the the popular road. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like even though even though my thoughts have been uh, inconsistent with the majority in in many many ways, you know, I've always stuck to my guns where I where I know I'm right, and uh, and so you know, life has been very rewarding. Yeah, and I'm surprised there are certain like you know pro wrestling organizations that still uh, you know fine for for cannabis use or t- uh, positive test results for cannabis. You know when uh, when other things you know other uh, I guess you could say uh, um, like DUIs and things like that are, are just kind of just tossed aside. You know, uh, do you feel like cannabis should be excluded from any uh, you know? Uh, any wellness po- uh, policy, the uh, reprimanding or anything of that nature? Well, I think um, that, uh, yes, um, I mean, there's going to be exceptions. I can't say that I think um, that it should be excluded from any any wellness because, you know, there's probably some specific sport or competition where maybe it's more of a factor. But, you know, it is still federally illegal, and that is changing, you know, so we just got just got to be patient you know a lot of people say how do you feel that you know so-and-so got busted for weed and he's still wrestling and you had to drop your belts and get suspended and it's like well times are changing you know that's why and it was it's my efforts along with many other efforts are, are just helping change the times so even my bust you know a lot of fans a lot of fans say that marijuana has uh uh, that is that has held me back, or else I would be like a reigning world champion or, or something. And you know, truth is, I might not have got that far um, into into the business without it. Who knows? You know what I mean? If they, anybody that thinks they would have made better choices than me, graduating from Penfield High School in 1989, <laughs> they could end up in a better place by making better choices. Uh, I, I doubt it because we all have our own values and what works for us. But when people give me shit about my cannabis activation. Uh, one thing I know, advocating, I'm sorry, but one thing that I know is that I have helped a lot more people than I've heard. No question about it. Amen, brother. Um, I mean, with uh, you, you mentioned, you know, people uh, kind of doubting your longevity, you know, and, and saying that you could have, 
been something else with uh, without the use of cannabis. Uh, do you feel like uh, you know you've obviously signed a a short term contract with Impact? Uh, do you, you feel the need after everything that you've gone through with concussions, uh, the need to change your style or, I mean, because it is a very uh, high risk maneuver uh, base uh, ba- uh, skill set uh, that you that you perform in, in the ring. Only uh, my, pers- my, my perspective is, is different because mm-hmm. before I, there was always like a, uh, I don't know if I would call it a need, but definitely an urgency, a passion inside me to always outdo myself, you know, and to, and to, and to always push the envelope. And now I don't feel like that. I feel like now I'm okay working by the standards that I've already set and, and that I'm fine with, you know, so um, you know, all the guys now have t- that that are younger that grew up watching me, they've taken the RVD perspective of thinking outside the box. They've taken it to a whole new level. I don't feel like I need to go in there and learn how to do a split-legged triple moon salt. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna keep being me, but I don't have to prove how tough my head is anymore. That used to be something I was proud of, and I still am proud of showing off my durability you know i can take a lot of punishment luckily i have a job that that shows that and that is that is uh one of my agendas you know is to you know take that ddt on my you know on my head and then but but with the uh chair shots you know i used to really take pride in the way balls mahoney would wrap that chair around my head i thought it was good for the business you know what i mean those chair shots were amazing by the way i mean you're selling uh i mean the just the, just for I mean it it's been a while since I had gone back and seen an ECW show but just from what I saw in the in the documentary I was I was reminded how awesome your selling was and uh, how much you just threw your body around you know for the sake of of, of the match itself it was, it was truly astonishing man it really was Thank- yeah, thank you. And then I've had some people say they almost felt bad um, looking at it and knowing how much they enjoyed it <laughs> with, with, with what we know now about concussions yeah. that we didn't know. We had no idea back then. Yeah, absolutely. And and with that knowledge in mind, now that uh, that you've uh, you've got you've gained knowledge on concussions and CTE, what would you have any advice for any up and coming wrestlers? Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, what I from watching Headstrong, you know, myself and Joe Clark, uh, we uh, we did everything our, ourselves. You know what I mean? And it, and it was we edited it over and over and over. I had to have it like perfect, and like we were, I was involved frame by frame with you know music, everything, and um, and it, and it was a lot of work. But when I really watched the whole thing back, here's here's. Here's what I learned. This was my takeaway that I hope other athletes would take away. When I got the concussion, I did everything wrong. And I didn't even realize it. As many years as I've been in the business, I guess I didn't really know what to do. uh, Because my first thought was, okay, I got double vision. That's what happened. It was like I, I felt fine if I closed one eye or the other eye. Both eyes, I had double vision. So that was my, that was what was happening. And that led to other, you know, things being difficult for me. But my first thought was, okay, I need like to fire up my brain. I got home after the matches and I was like, I was trying to read, trying to watch TV. I took an Adderall trying to stimulate my brain, mm-hmm. thinking that there was, yeah, it just, I don't know, it felt to me like maybe there was a, a couple of rocks in the middle of the road. I need to sweep them out, you know, or blast them out, yeah. clear the path clear the pathway for me and so when i talked to chris nowinski like uh, a couple days later and i'm like dude i I still got double vision uh, from two days ago i've never had that before he told me you know that not to do the comedy tour and that would be very bad for me and i probably wouldn't be able to focus anyway being on stage trying to tell jokes with the light on my eyes and what did i do i went and did it anyway and then in the movie, you see uh, a year later, I'm talking to Dr. Kistowinski, and the first thing he says is, um, so are you all recovered now? And I'm like, eh, I'm still working on it. And he yeah. says, well, that, that kind of goes with what we're saying about how you, you need to rest and your brain needs to be not stimulated. Boom. That's my takeaway from the whole movie. I'm like, oh, my God. I think that's why those symptoms last is so damn long. Yeah, absolutely. And how about now? Are you back at 100%? 
Um, yeah, my vision is different than it was uh, before then. And, um, you know, there's certain things if I, uh, when I turn my head a certain way and uh, tilt it or whatever, um, there, there's there's some separation that happens. It goes back together that, that didn't happen before, but I've gotten tested that in my eyesight is normal. My reaction time and all that tests out normal. Um, but, uh, now I'm 48. And so, you know, my, it, it's natural for my vision to be getting uh, worse. Anyway, I've been wearing glasses since I was two years old. So my eyes have always kind of been bad, but what I realized, uh, within the last year and this, it seemed to happen overnight. And the thing is, I've talked to so many of my friends and they say that's how it's happened to them, too. Like instantly, all the words that I'm reading are too fucking small. <laughs> and I think it's some kind of it's an age thing. But everyone I talk to that's around my age or older says, yep, that's how it was. Like you're reading, you're reading a book. And then the next day you're like, dude, what? I had to get the like on my phone. Like I can't I had to get uh, Katie to make the text bigger on my phone. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, so so when you say you know are you back to one hundred percent? I'm at a, I'd say I'm at a different forty eight year old hundred percent now, yeah. and I'm doing good. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like you just need reading glasses. Uh, they, that's what you know, with, like, with laser. Like I said, I've been wearing I've been wearing glasses since I'm two years old. Dude, my eyes have never been good. I need prescription glasses every day, always. Yeah, well, I mean, we have uh, at Impact. You have Don Callis uh, with the backstage role. You have. Paul Heyman uh, in an executive producer role uh, in the WWE. Have you ever thought about uh, a backstage role, like a uh, booking role in an organization? No. (laughs) No? (laughs) That's a little too boring for you? (laughs) I can't imagine wouldn't be. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because what I I enjoy out out of my job is definitely not traveling. All right? That's that's not a pro. I mean, it can be a pro. You know, it would suck to be in just one city maybe for your whole life. But um, anyway, the traveling is work. And, and what I get out of it, uh, number one, is is the pay, which the more I talk about retiring, the more my value goes up. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm still doing it. I'm Like I said, I'm going with the flow. The universe will tell me when it's time to hang up the boots. I don't think it'll be that much longer. But like I said, I mean, Right now, um, I'm working like way less and being compensated at, for um, way more time back in my prime. In other words, when people think I was in top, I would work three weeks or so to get you know what I might get in like uh, two days now. So, uh, it, so it seems like it'd be foolish to hang the boots up now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But a backstage role, an agent, uh, one. I don't think that would pay nearly as much as being the whole effing show. And, <laughs> and that's, that's the incentive right there for leaving home. Um, and, uh, and what was the other thing I was going to say? Um, oh, well, you know, I do enjoy showing off when I'm in the ring. I like yeah. that. I like that. I have to keep stretching and keep lifting and I have to stay at the top of my game, even to only do it a couple times a month, because I got to be able to still, you know, jump and do the splits and do those kicks and move around and not have a heart attack. Um. <laughs> and anyway, as an agent, as an agent, I would have to love everything else about the business that I don't love, I think in order to do that, or, or I would have to, like most people feel the need to have a job, you know, to say, Hey, I got to Hey, long as that's coming in, you gotta, you gotta get it while you can. I've, I've never looked at it that way. I said, you gotta, you gotta do what you want with your life while you can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things that's absolutely clear, uh, in the documentary in headstrong is that, uh, you really enjoy the connection you have with your fans um do you feel like there's been a change uh since you know obviously the the internet with all the knowledge that people can can uh, uh come across with, like backstage news and things of that nature do you feel like there's been a change with the fans um you know whether it be positive or negative there's no question about it um and, and depending on what kind of window of time you want to talk about i could answer more specifically but you know like when I got in the business, I don't even. I, no, we didn't even have an internet. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then there was uh, uh, you, you didn't know anything. And then there was everything was kayfabe back then, and it was all about protecting the business. Mm-hmm. That that was that was. I, I I heard somebody today say say you know that the first thing they were taught in the business was how to take care of uh, each other. That's definitely not the way I got taught, and that's oh, not wow. the way the business. 
was back. Yeah, it was protect the business first. That means, you know, that if I if I break your nose and it's bleeding, that's good for the business. Rather that than me swing and miss and you fall. Now we just fucking killed the business. But now it's totally different. And now uh, because. You know, I mean, we're talking 30 years since I broke in. But now, uh, instead of protecting the business being the most important thing, now it's catering towards a crowd that thinks they understand how it works because the, the, the curtain's been jerked open and they, they know it's entertainment. So in their mind, they fans think they could do it better, they could write better, you know, make it better, whatever. And it's easier to get in now because there's so many organizations now because of that because everyone thinks they can do it everyone is you know there's an organization in every every little town and they all have uh local fans that support that that local promotion and want to see it do good and so it's easier than ever to get into the business back in the 30 years ago you had to get beat up first (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then if you went past that then they then they find out if you have any uh, you know, any abilities as far as, you know, leveraging or, um, you know, just, just working around balance, all that stuff. But now it's like, uh, and you used to have to, you used to have to have like a, a two year commitment because wh- whoever trained you, whoever trained you, you're using their name. They don't want you to go around working for everybody else and them and them and, and, and training with other people and then using their name, you know, like I wouldn't yeah. want someone saying RVD trained me if they were the shits, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> yeah, I but now, now it's, now it's like you can pay $25 a workout with no commitment, never go back in that gym or just go in with a camera. So it's so different. And, and because it's different, the fans are different, but ECW was groundbreaking in a way that they started revealing the real stuff. You know, yeah. if, uh, if somebody got arrested the night before, um, boom, they put it in their storyline. Um, and it got really adult and personal. Hey, this girl's getting an abortion. Let's write about it. But it was like, <laughs> <laughs> But it was like the fans knew, and so we were catering to a smart crowd for the first time. Absolutely. And everything, everything that we have now is kind of like a, uh, you know, a byproduct of that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, do you feel like there's a, 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 like an independent boom going on right now? I feel like there is. Uh, what do you uh, attribute that to? If you if you could pinpoint something to the, um, I mean, everybody who's looking for for alternatives, you know, something that. Uh, the the what everybody would used to watch, you know, the the big name uh, organizations would. Uh, there people are kind of like trying to find their their own independent uh, organization that they can kind of count on. What, what would you attribute that to? I I honestly think I just answered that in my last question. I've been I've been studying this for years. The first time I noticed it, this uh, boom that you're talking about was in uh, Preston City in uh, England and this was probably like I don't know it seems like it was five six years ago uh, maybe seven and I couldn't believe it it was uh, you know there was a a crowd of about 300 people and uh, it was in this uh, bar kind of like kind of like a big bar atmosphere and I could not believe the 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 support from this crowd I wrestled some guy that I really thought he was just some young guy up and coming that nobody knew about maybe one of his first matches i I didn't know that much about him um except he was a younger guy but the crowd knew everything about him they like for for 10 minutes i didn't even have to lock up like we're in they're chanting and then they're they're chanting a different chant and then he's interacting with them and then they go to another chant and like he had vader in his names for doing like the star wars song from beginning all the way to the end all the way to the end and they're, they're entertaining themselves this crowd and then at one point they're singing something and he's playing the turnbuckles with his hands slapping them like they're bongos <laughs> and like <laughs> and they knew beat by beat you know and i mean after like 10 minutes of that i didn't want to wrestle i just turned to the crowd and said um you guys are awesome and you know and they got going with that <laughs> but they were and that's when i realized like i, I felt that passion it was like an ecw crowd um 
it was like a hybrid between that and a European soccer crowd. And, and then it was, and so then I realized after that, I went to Maryland and went to uh, um, a wrestling show out there and uh, in Baltimore, it was like the same thing. Like, wow, the, the crowd was really, the crowd feels like they're part of the show, just like the ECW crowd used to be part of the show. And, and, and they want their local group to succeed. They want their local promoter to bring in these certain wrestlers and certain superstars. They want to see it grow and they're part of it. And I saw that for the last several years. And because like I said, it's easier for people uh, to get into the business and stuff now uh, because it's not so much a closed door society. That's why you're seeing all this boom, you know, all that with the monopolization that WWE did on TV, you know, and, and it's all these factors working uh, in a positive way for the, for the independent scene, for sure. Well, that sounds like an awesome, like positive, uh, a crowd experience have you have you come across a, a negative one where the the audience the the crowd just hijacks the 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 match and kind of kind of takes the steam out of the match itself um no no i mean you know i have to go i i have to go way way back like in my mind i'm scanning and it might be like 97 98 i remember wrestling jerry lynn uh, in, in Queens, New York, and uh, after you know we're about to lock up or something, and there was like a girl, a hot-looking girl, up in the stands, standing up, and everybody was like, "Show your tits, show your tits," <laughs> and it was like, it was like, all right, you know what? They hijacked the show. They're not watching us. I just sat up on the top rope on the turnbuckle and waited, and. <laughs> You know, and then the girl, the girl's like looking down at me, you know, pointed at me and like shrugged her shoulders. You know, like, do you want, do you want me to, you know, do you want to see it? Do you want me to do it? Yeah. Everyone, show your tits, show <laughs> your tits. You know, and I did want to see him, but I didn't want to act like I wanted to see him that bad because I also wanted to wrestle, you know, and I was like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You know, but, I was, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then she did, and then went popped, and we went back to wrestling. Uh I don't really get even like sometimes on a show some some of the early earlier on the card wrestlers will come back and say man man that that crowd is hard man i think they're i think they're tired because it's late or because it's so hot out or whatever i never have a problem i go out there and i have a different crowd that's great that's really awesome to hear truly uh you mentioned uh the monopolization by wwe of the of the tv kind of experience um, what would you say is the difference, if, if at all, it, between sports entertainment that they've coined, the sports entertainment that they've coined, and pro wrestling uh, from everywhere else? Um, well, I, I guess I would think, when I think of sports entertainment, the way they coined, I think more of their specific brand and product, and that's always included a lot more... Uh, characters characterization of, of the wrestlers you know they've always they've always wanted to create their own characters so that they could own the characters and, and the name you know and there's back in the you know 80s and 90s it was there was a lot uh, different kind of characters you know mm -hmm. like uh kamala and hillbilly jim uncle elmer sure. and yeah, yeah that, right. there's, there's a there's a big boss man and then there's nails the prisoner and there's like um that now yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, it was all characters back then. And then now it's, you know, because it's a smarter crowd and the business has evolved uh, to where it is, now it's a lot more about athleticism and um, and good good wrestlers, you know what I mean? Um, it's like back, uh, back, even just back in 2001, 2002, when I was with WWE, there was still room for some wrestlers that really weren't that good and the crowd knew it and they would, try them for a few weeks, try and force them down your throat. And then if it doesn't work, they'd get rid of them. But now everybody, you know, is like really good. The standards have risen. Uh, you used to have to be 280 pounds. You know, now I think the average is probably, you know, way down more like, I don't know, 220 or something. Mm -hmm. But yeah, but I still think that the sports inter entertainment aspect has to do with the fact that WWE is giving you like a show. Like it's going to a Cirque, Cirque de Soleil show, if you view it that way, with the pyro. Yeah, um, and, yeah and, 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 and the vignettes, they make you laugh, and they set up the stories, and the lights. Oh, my God, what they do with the lights now, the lights all over the ring, you know. Okay. To, yeah. yeah, that's all. I think all of that in, in that 
product is as is is what sports entertainment is about now and and uh and the wrestling you know just pro wrestling uh kind of um is is just uh, attached to and uh, and assimilated with what it what it always has been, you know, whether it's whether it's um, AWA style wrestling that so and so used to watch when they were a kid, or whether it's uh, um, even parts of WWE, you know, even part of the sports entertainment wrestling is of course wrestling. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I mean, you mentioned the uh, the athleticism, and, I, and obviously you you were definitely one of the pioneers, if not the pioneer, because I remember. From an early age, watching you do these awesome feats of, of like throwing your body across the ring, you know, for for the Terminator, and there was all these crazy, crazy moves, and it's and nowadays it's that's kind of commonplace within the uh, the pro wrestling scene. Do you see anybody? Does anybody stand out in your mind like that guy is going to be the next trendsetter uh, or, or something of that nature? Well, in in uh, in this particular direction, there's guys, you know, like uh, Rick Swan in uh, Impact and yeah. Willie really Mack and uh, even um, what are the the, uh, what are they, the Rascals. I watch these guys, and it's and they, it's amazing what they can do. And uh, Ricochet, you know, in WWE, because these guys are like Ricochet and there's someone else, they're, they're actual gymnasts that then got into wrestling. I always have been accused of being a gymnast. Throughout my career, people would ask me if I had gymnastic training. I'd say, no, I'm self-taught. I would, you know, play on the play on the mats and on the trampoline and the diving board. And now, you know, now it, it seems like, it seems like it'd be hard now just be a superstar by pushing the envelope in that way. But these guys are doing it. Um, I think it's harder for everyone else. And I think, you know, to, uh, to really get ahead is, is going to be in a, a different direction as far as like, um, uh, being able to, uh, relate to the fans and, and, uh, be able to tell a good story or, or be different in a way that is entertaining to watch. But these guys, these guys definitely are doing it. I just don't see how people compete. If you're doing, if you're doing a springboard um, shooting star press, you know, four fifty to the <laughs> to the crowd. I mean, I, it, it, there's so much, there's so many amazing moves going now that I feel like it's it, it's going to be harder for each one to stand out. Um, it, it's all about image and just what I've done. I've given people the image that I'm a superhero. Like people really believe I can fly. Yeah. They think I can. They just just because they see me do a flip, they think I can do four flips, and that's <laughs> that's cool. It's cool that it comes across that way. But these guys really are on like a whole new level, and I and I don't think that there's going to be that many people to keep pushing it uh, past these amazing things. And if they do, it's almost unnoticed. Like I don't even know now, like what all I've seen. I've seen so much, you know. Yeah, it seems like everybody's just keeps stepping it up, and it gets to be to the point of like, what's next? Like, what else can you do? Yeah. So what you do is have the combination, you know, like these guys and these guys do, you know, where they got the amazing moves. Plus, you know, they're amazing workers. Plus, you know, they have good offense. They're good selling. They uh, they have the right look. You know, the the crowd uh, relates to them. And, you, you know, to get have all those factors and stuff, then uh, then I think that's think that's the way to do it and of course you don't have to be uh acrobatic i mean a lot of wrestlers find you know their own their own path it's it used to be a lot more like that i was the only guy like when i was in all japan i was the only one diving to the floor and they all thought i was crazy i would be doing back the guardrail and they're like how are you gonna fit that into a match you know and, and now now like uh like i've gone to katie forbes like i'll go with with her to uh wrestling school sometimes and uh like in, in la she took me to this wrestling school and the guy had everybody everyone was lining up but doing hurricane runners off the top rope i was like what <laughs> holy shit and, and, and I was just watching katie her first couple times in school mm. she was doing all this lucha libre shit and i was like oh my god she's amazing but then uh, when, it, when it came to the basics i learned that they hadn't even taught her you know how to lock up and do a headlock right oh, and wow. It's like it's so different, so different. Because through my, you know, throughout most of my career, people couldn't do everyone else's moves. You know. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned uh, like the the need to like, connect with the audience and uh, and express yourself. And and that sounds like all things that you can actually do with with stand up. And you do do with stand up as seen in, in Headstrong. Uh, would you do you have a like as far as stand up? Do you have uh, of any 
a person that you can say like I was trying to be that guy or uh, I picked up some uh, you know uh, kind of uh, technique uh, to- storytelling technique from this guy uh, for sure yeah so definitely not ever you know trying to be this guy um, because you know the, the stand-up is very genuine just like me I'm about this excited when I'm on stage so that that has a lot to do with the the tone that I said because uh, I, I'm so not nervous at that point i'm just you know everyone it's not it's not you know a lot of people are intimidated by the thought of doing stand-up but i'm not thinking like i have to meet their expectations these these motherfuckers are hanging on to every word of mine you know (laughs) hoping that i'll deliver with a punch at the end of everything i say and 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 i enjoy that um but i have a very very dry sense of humor um in general when i'm joking people don't know that i'm joking because i don't i don't laugh I don't laugh at my own jokes. You know what I mean? Yeah. If they laugh at their own jokes with the delivery, I just see that as technique. And I'm like, okay, stop it. I get it. You know, you're laughing at your own jokes, so then I'll laugh. But, uh, and, you know, like before, right before I went out to, uh, on Monday night, you know, when we did the uh, reunion show, right before we went through the curtain, uh, they were telling Steve Austin that uh, they were short on time. He need, they needed him to kill another, you know, two or three minutes. And that's why when he went out there, he's telling all these stories about what happened last night. I was drinking with Hulk Hogan. And he was out there telling stories, you know. I was yeah. like, wow, this guy's a pro killing time. But while while everyone's trying to tell him, like, Steve, we need to do this. Steve, we need to do this. We need to do this. I was just waiting for them to, to quit talking, you know. And they looked at me. And I was like, uh, do you have a Heineken? He said, what? <laughs> said, you have a Heineken or a Stella? He goes, ah, like, I'm joking. And I'm just looking at him. He's looking at me like, I can't believe you're saying this right now. I'm like, and I'm just, just straight face, and I'm putting in a beer order. You know, nobody knows what I'm joking when I do. He's, he's just looking at me. I usually am entertaining myself because nobody else knows. But I was inspired by, uh, well, when I was really young, um, uh, Bob Newhart. I loved Bob Newhart when I was a kid. Yeah, and then um, when I got into actually stand-up, because I used to watch his uh, his sitcom, and I thought it was hilarious the way he reacted to everything. But then uh, Stephen Wright was my favorite comedian growing oh, nice. up. Nice, yes, sir. Yeah, intelligent humor. You know, Absolutely. he says the smartest thing. But yeah, and then after I got into comedy, only a few years ago did I meet, or not meet, because the guy's dead, but I was introduced to um, a guy who I'm compared to a lot, Mitch Hedberg. Oh, absolutely. Great pool. I wish I wish I would have known him when he was alive. I feel like we could have definitely hung out. I love his 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 comedy and uh I love, you know, his delivery I and definitely uh, see that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've had people tell me a lot of times after my shows, uh, dude, you like Mitch Hedberg, but um that's a that that's a uh a compliment. Absolutely. Well do you have any shows coming up? Um I don't have any comedy shows. I have a lot of them on the table, but it's a matter of deciding, you know, if I want to do this or not. And I'm trying to my schedule with uh, with Impact and uh, Katie and I are, are wrestling in October in South Africa. Wow. Uh, yeah, and then outside, you know, I got like uh, see, I'm in Wizard World in Chicago. I think that's September and. Uh, um, I'm not, I don't know. I got a impacts in Chicago. Impact, I mean, Mexico in a couple of weeks. Mexico City with impact. Uh, uh, here's my here's my schedule right here. And then uh, September. Oh, September fifth and sixth. Impact is here in Vegas, so that's going to be super easy. And um, uh, I don't. Oh yeah, and then Wisconsin. I'll, I'll be talking about that pretty soon. That's not till November, but mm-hmm. the big important thing going on in. in uh, in November in Wisconsin, it's, a, it's part of a much bigger project. It is, it's a wrestling show, but it's a part of a documentary, and it's uh, and it's a fundraiser for uh, try to get uh, army vets or military vets to uh, uh, prevent suicide. And, and, and the guy, uh, the guy, yeah, this guy, uh, Ben McCoy, you can look him up. Like I said, I'll be talking about it real soon. He got his face blown off in the war. All his friends were committing suicide. He decided instead to follow his dream and be a pro wrestler. Wow. Yeah. is truly incredible. Uh, yeah. well, uh, one last question. Uh, besides RVD, who would you say is the uh, the real MVP from ECW? Sabu. Sabu. Awesome answer. <laughs> it's got to yeah. be one of my favorite answers. Truly great. Well, thank you so much 
Uh, Rob Van Dam for uh, allowing us this time. Uh, it's truly an honor to be able to speak to you, sir. A legend. Um, and uh, thank you once again. This was truly an honor. Cool, cool, man. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks for helping me get the word out on Headstrong. Everybody can follow me everywhere at The Real RVD if they're so inclined. And uh, have an excellent day. Excellent. You too, sir. Take care. Okay, thank you. Man, what a great interview. Sheesh. Really, that when I go on Instagram, one of the first things I see is the recent post of the RVD Headstrong poster when I was promoting it. And I can't help but think when I look at that, fucking A, I got to talk to that guy. Man, one of my childhood heroes. Truly great uh, opportunity. Thank you so much, Rob Van Dam, for that opportunity. And thank you, Shooting Star Press, for setting it up and for the privilege of, of being able to talk to RVD. What an insane experience, man. First Ricky Morton, and now Rob Van Dam. I can't wait to see who's next. Um, but I'm moving on to some news, some unfortunate news. It looks like WCPW, or Defiant Wrestling, is closing down. It was the first ever time that an independent wrestling promotion aired live on YouTube every week with new episodes of Loaded. It was only three years, but man, what or three years it was. It was also the first British wrestling promotion that our editor, Faison, fell in love with. I mean, it. from what I heard about it, it was truly great. Uh, personally, I never got to watch it, but now uh, I can't help but have that urge to go back and check out some of the matches that I really never gave it a chance to. So, um, how unfortunate, truly unfortunate it is. Uh, but anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you can show it some love, we really appreciate it. We're brand new podcast. I can't wait to get more people on here. I can't wait to get some of our, uh, some of my co-writers on here. Tom, Nick, Faison, I'm looking at you guys. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, I'm going to keep getting better at this, man. It's, uh, it's my second podcast, and I'm still sharpening that conversational tool and trying to keep the, not only the person I'm talking to engaged, but you, the listeners, as well. So uh, stick with me. I promise I'll stick with it and uh, continue this awesome journey that uh, Shooting Star Press has allowed us. So uh, till then... Till the next episode, live life hard, eat well, and stay blessed. Thank you very much, guys.